Willkommen, bienvenue, and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing The Lieutenant. I must have a corner on the mail from all the freaks. I don't know how they'd find me, but there's 50 more each week. And now a letter from a guy with some preposterous tale. He wants to put the army in jail. What does he mean a massacre? This man must be insane. Or maybe he wants recognition or just a little fame. A guy like this is dangerous, I'm sure you'll concur. He could create quite a stir. When I reflect, when I reflect on where this thing might lead, I shudder with pride. I shudder with pride. How many others? How many others have this cracked brain cell and try to inside? I just received a letter from a member of my flock. A righteous and moral thing that's really gonna suck. I wrote back and I told him, seek the help of the Lord. Now please excuse me, I'm bored. But first, how are we doing? As always, I hope this episode of The Musical Man finds you well. At the time of our recording session, the presidential election has not been called. <laughs> Maybe it has been called at the time of the episode's release. Maybe we are still awaiting those results. It is a trying time. It is yet another example of how we desperately need to hold on to our sanity and our collective ability to be patient. <laughs> Let's just hold on to that. Hopefully by the time this episode reaches you, a decision has been made, a decision that will mean a better, brighter, more healthy. <laughs> and I use that term in a broad way. Hopefully we have been able to see a corner that we can turn in the next couple of months. <laughs> I really do hope that we just have to put up with that motherfucker for only two more months. Keeping my fingers crossed, keeping my toes crossed. Okay, so why don't we just get into it? Why don't we just get the show facts regarding this week's subject, the lieutenant? I have a feeling you are probably wondering, when are we going to get those show facts? You're probably wanting to ask me, can we please have the show facts now? You're probably wanting to say to me, show me the show facts, and so I will. Let's do it right now, baby. The Lieutenant was a 1975 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on March 9th, 1975 at the Lyceum Theater and ran for nine performances. Nine performances. The book, music, and lyrics were written by Gene Curti. Nitra Scharfman and Chuck Strand. The director of the production, William Martin. Musical director, Chuck Strand. Choreographer, Dennis Dennehy. Scenic design, Frank J. Boros. Lighting design, Ian Cauldron. Sound design, Bill Morell. And costume design, Frank J. Boros. The original Broadway cast included Eddie Mecca, Stephen Brockvor, Gene Curdy, Chet Delia, Gordon Grody, Well Hunter, Clark James, Jim Litton, Don McCartney, McGrath, Jim Patrick McMahon, Eugene Moose, Joel Powers, Joseph Pugliese, Pugliese, I don't know, I apologize, Bert Rodriguez, Alan K. Siegel, Joe Spiros, Danny Taylor, and Tom Tofel. Tom Tofel. hello Tom, Tony nods, okay, so the production did not win any Tony Awards, all right, but it was nominated for what? 
best musical, of course, but also best book of a musical, Gene Curdy, Nitra Sharfman, and Chuck Strand. Best original score, Gene Curdy, Nitra Sharfman, and Chuck Strand. And best actor in a musical, Eddie Mecca. Mika, I don't know, I apologize. So four nominations in total, but as I said before, zero awards at the end of the night. Considering the Wikipedia synopsis for The Lieutenant is more thematic than linear, I thought it would be helpful to explore the historical events that inform the piece. Keep in mind, this will be a fairly broad overview, and there are several books and documentaries that provide a deeper and more granular context. The Lieutenant deals with the fallout of the My Lai Massacre, a series of civilian killings that took place on March 16th, 1968 during the Vietnam War. The massacre took place in the My Lai and Mi Kay hamlets of the Sun Mi village, located within the Sun Din district of South Vietnam, now the Republic of Vietnam. The U.S. Army reported 347 civilian deaths as a result of the massacre, but this total does not include those who were killed in the Mi Kay hamlet. What's more, an official body count of non-combatants was never conducted, casting the 347 figure even further into doubt. By comparison, the Vietnamese government officially recognizes 504 civilian deaths between the two hamlets. A court-martial held on November 17, 1970, saw 26 soldiers charged with criminal offenses, though only one individual was convicted, Lieutenant William Calley Jr., the titular lieutenant. The lieutenant was sentenced to life in prison, but would only serve three and a half years under house arrest. The musical, which filters these events through the lens of a rock opera, premiered a mere 52 days before the fall of Saigon on April 30th, 1965, which effectively brought the Vietnam War to an end. The following is a description of the My Lai Massacre, which does contain references to violent deaths for those who may want to avoid such descriptions. In the wake of the January 1968 Tet Offensive, a campaign of surprise attacks led by the Viet Cong against military and civilian installations throughout South Vietnam, military intelligence led the United States to believe members of the Viet Cong's 48th Local Force Battalion had taken refuge in South Vietnamese hamlets. Finding and killing members of the 48th Battalion became a small part of the U.S. military's response to the Tet Offensive. An ad hoc unit of the U.S. 11th Brigade 23rd Infantry Division, known as Task Force Barker, or TF Barker, was created to ensure the destruction of the Viet Cong's 48th Battalion. Colonel Oren K. Henderson of the 11th Brigade told his officers to, quote, go into Sunmi aggressively, close with the enemy, and wipe them out for good, quote. Captain Ernest Medina furthered this sentiment by telling his men to destroy everything that was, quote, walking, crawling, or growling, quote. The killings began without warning, according to machine gunner Harry Stanley. A Vietnamese man was struck with a bayonet. Moments later, the trooper who committed this act would push another villager into a well before killing him with a grenade. Fifteen to twenty villagers were shot in the head while praying around a temple. Another 70 to 80 villagers were pushed into an irrigation ditch and shot after repeated orders from Lieutenant Callie. Several of the women in the ditch were heard to cry no VC while shielding their children. Private First Class Paul Medallo would go on to claim these women were suicide bombers who were armed with grenades. In regards to the sub-hamlet of Som Lang, Private First Class Michael Bernhardt said the following, quote, 
I don't remember seeing one military-age male in the entire place, dead or alive. Quote, Warrant Officer Hugh Thompson Jr. witnessed the massacre while piloting a helicopter. He chose to land and speak with Captain Medina, who had shot a woman at point-blank range moments earlier before accusing her of holding a grenade. Later, when Thompson noticed civilians were being forced into a bunker, he chose to land the helicopter a second time, telling his crew, Glenn Andriata and Lawrence Colburn, to open fire on American soldiers if they tried to kill the civilians he attempted to save. Thompson asked Lieutenant Stephen Brooks to help him remove women and children from the bunker. In response, Brooks said, quote, The only way to get them out is with a hand grenade. Quote. In the end, Thompson was able to rescue 12 to 16 Vietnamese citizens from the bunker and was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross for his actions. Andriota and Colburn were awarded bronze stars, though the former was awarded posthumously. Thompson discovered his DFC citation included the fictitious rescue of a young girl and ultimately chose to throw the cross away. In March 1998, the cross and bronze stars were officially replaced with soldiers' medals, citing the helicopter crew's, quote, heroism during the unlawful massacre of non-combatants by American forces at My Lai. The medals were originally set to be awarded during a private ceremony, but Thompson demanded a public setting. Thompson was responsible for reporting the My Lai massacre to the upper brass. As a result, a number of similar operations were quickly canceled. Despite Thompson's testimony, Captain Medina went on to receive a letter of commendation. The combat action report released by Task Force Barker listed the My Lai operation as a success, citing 128 members of the Viet Cong had been killed in the process. General William C. Westmoreland congratulated those involved for, quote, outstanding action, quote, and dealing the enemy a, quote, heavy blow, quote. Westmoreland took a decidedly different approach for the sake of his 1976 memoir, A Soldier Reports, describing the events at My Lai as, quote, the conscious massacre of defenseless babies, children, and mothers, and old men in a kind of diabolical slow-motion nightmare that went on for the better part of a day with a cold-blooded break for lunch, quote. Colin Powell, a 31-year-old army major at the time of the massacre, was tasked with writing a report on Vietnam atrocities in light of several statements made by members of the U.S. Army. Powell's report refuted their claims, stating, quote, relations between American division soldiers and the Vietnamese people are excellent, quote. In 2004, Powell, then the U.S. Secretary of State, said the following while appearing on Larry King Live, quote, I mean, I was in a unit that was responsible for My Lai. I got there after My Lai happened. So in war, these sorts of horrible things happen every now and again, but they are still to be deplored, quote. Colin Powell, master of writing shady reports and disavowing them when it's professionally convenient to do so. For the purposes of this week's episode, I listened to the 1975 original Broadway cast album of The Lieutenant. This album was recorded, obviously I listened to it, but it was never released. It was never released for sale and is not available for purchase at this point. I just said the same thing twice. Fortunately, a Google Drive link was posted on the Broadway World message board back in 2018, and that link is still active. Unfortunately, the show is bad, as we will come to find. I wanted to watch the 1975 Tony Awards performance by the cast of The Lieutenant, but 
it does not exist because they did not perform at the Tony Awards. Now, musicals were represented at the 29th Annual Tony Awards, though none of them, none of them, were nominees from the preceding season. Angela Lansbury sang Mame from Mame. Alexis Smith sang the story of Lucy and Jesse from Follies, and Angela Lansbury made a return appearance to perform Everything's Coming Up Roses from Gypsy. There were also, from what I can tell, about 2,000 medleys and montages celebrating the history of Broadway, a history that did not make room for Mac and Mabel, The Lieutenant, Shenandoah, or The Wiz. For those of you who are really into track lists, here's the track list from the original Broadway cast album of The Lieutenant. We begin with Overture slash Indictment before moving into Join the Army. Then we get Look for the Men with Potential slash Kill. I don't want to go over to Vietnam. Eulogy slash At 0700 Tomorrow. The Massacre slash Something's Gone Wrong. 28. Let's Believe in the Captain, slash Final Report, slash I Will Make Things Happen. He wants to put the army in jail. There is no other solution, slash I'm going home. We've chosen you, Lieutenant, slash the star of this war. Here I am on trial for my life, the conscience of a nation. Damned no matter how he turned, slash I won't beg the verdict. Finale, Curtain Call, and as a bonus track, there is a bonus track, The Star of This War, second version. I did not listen to that, I should say. I called it a day. I listened all the way through to the end of the Curtain Call, and then I thought to myself, I don't need a bonus track. I'm not listening to it, and no one can make me. I am going to rant this week and drop in clips every now and then. That is going to be our structure for this week, okay? Normally, I would like to go through the score from beginning to end and talk about individual songs, how I feel about them, but this week, we're just gonna rant! <laughs> I said the same thing twice. All right. Having listened to the OBC album, I find I actually can provide a linear breakdown of the plot, which is as follows, okay? William Kelly is a down-on-his-luck young man who is lured into the U.S. Army with promises of glory, advancement, and exotic locales. Brass discovers a deficit in leadership material, aka we don't have any officers because everyone is dead, they proceed to rush inexperienced men like Callie through advanced training and anoint them with special titles. 
We can't afford to be overly choosy. There's no great abundance of West Point cadets. Remember, this isn't a volunteer army. We'll have to make do with whatever we get. Maybe we'll find some good leaders. Decisive and brazen. And we'll look for the men with potential and push them through officer candidate school. Unsurprisingly, this does not prepare Lieutenant Kelly for the events of Mili, where he and his men are ordered to kill everyone in sight. Wipe out the VCs, kill the livestock, burn down the hooches before the blue crop. The massacre doesn't prove to be a problem for Kelly, at least not at first. He expresses zero regret and is awarded for his efforts. Oh, it helps when your superiors are fudging the civilian body count in an attempt to save their reputations. Yes, great job, soldier. Let's pretend this never happened. Let go of my show. But what's this? Oh, no, the media picks up on the story. Everyone is suddenly calling for justice? Ugh, gross. With their backs against the wall, the top brass decides to court-martial Callie and feed him, feed him to the press as a scapegoat. is horrified. I can't believe what I am hearing. I can't believe the things they're saying. I only did the things they taught me. I did my best. Look what it's brought me. Look what it's brought me saying what I did was actually bad, but I was only following orders. No one cares. No one is listening. Our poor lieutenant is found guilty and the show ends with another young man being lured into the U.S. Army. Oh no! The vicious, terrible cycle continues ever apace! Well, 
class helicopter pilot Hugh Thompson is an entirely offstage presence, and I'm not sure why he is not at the center of the show. I would think he would have been a much more compelling and potentially sympathetic figure, alas, alack. I found this musical to be irritating. <laughs> I am not a fan of how it transforms William Callie into a wide-eyed kid who is conned by the Army's wicked snake oil salesman. That is nonsense if we accept the idea that everyone who served in the Vietnam War has blood on their hands, then we need to take that idea seriously. We can't muddy it up by insisting Callie was an innocent babe who was, quote, only following orders, quote. Life is not that simple. Using the My Lai Massacre as the setup for your courtroom drama is abhorrent, and populating that drama with insipid cartoons and a weepy martyr is crummy satire. The fictionalized Callie is aware of the draft upon introducing himself to the army. He is also aware of the Vietnam War because it has been raging for years. Sort of a hard thing to miss. <laughs> so you'll have to excuse me <laughs> if I don't feel sorry for Callie when the glamour promised to him by the army is replaced with a tour in Vietnam. Wow, this is not what I expected. I've been sold the wrong bill of goods, I do say. Yeah, you're crying ignorance now? Yes. I am. The army tricked me. They said I looked handsome in my new army hat, and when they told me to kill women and children, I did it, because that's what a good soldier does. They would have yelled at me if I had refused to kill women and children, and so I killed them, and I told my men to do the same, and no one should be mad about that. Okay. If no room is made for individual responsibility within the Vietnam War debate, then the debate isn't worth having. I would like to think I'm not the sort of person who would have spat on a Vietnam veteran, but if I knew that veteran murdered civilians and moaned about his punishment, I wouldn't bother praying for him. Also, punishment? Punishment? Nixon arranged for the real-life Cali to serve out his life sentence under house arrest. The president intervened. That life sentence only lasted for three and a half years, as I'm sure you'll recall. Let's stop acting as if we hung the guy in the town square before sending him straight to hell. I am an adult. Here's another element of the show's narrative I don't appreciate. The press. The press is presented, portrayed as a pack of snarling, snapping, sleazy dogs. Urgh. And that rang flat for me, unsurprisingly. Ooh, everyone is so rotten. The military is rotten. The press is rotten, too. How can nice fellas like Lieutenant Callie survive when this world of ours is so inherently rotten? Oh, I don't know. Let's ask the Vietnamese civilians who were riddled with bullets by Callie and his men. Well, the musical isn't really about those people. Oh, I know! Not all soldiers are bad, we simply need to reform the system. Not all cops are bad, we simply need to reform the system. Not all Nazis are bad, they simply need a new PowerPoint, a fresh PowerPoint, a newly, a newly formatted PowerPoint presentation on modern day ethics. They're behind the times, we need to teach them. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's substitute World War II for the Vietnam War and Nazis for Americans and see how this story pans out. Come on, don't blame Rolf. He's always been a follower. Can you imagine the shit he would have had to put up with if he hadn't loaded those trains with Jewish citizens? Rolf might have been killed himself. Then it was time for Rolf to die. He should have allowed himself to die. Fuck off. 
a couple of quick bullet points regarding this score and how I absorbed it. Okay, so women have no role in this show. I guess that's not too surprising. There are women in the cast. You hear women on the album, but they're not really contributing much in the way of, of true of true character perspective or anything like that. And the Vietnamese are non-existent. They are completely silent. So women, you know, white women, American women, have a small, tiny church mouse voice in the chorus. Vietnamese people, no voice. <laughs> they are not in the mix, and I think that says a lot. I think that says a lot. The massacre itself is presented as a completely instrumental sequence that is occasionally interrupted by shouting. Let's hear a bit of that now. thinking to yourself, is this show just equal parts hair, the Who's Tommy, and JCS, Jesus Christ Superstar, which premiered in 1967, 1969, and 1970, respectively. All of those shows and albums came out before the premiere of The Lieutenant in 1975. Is this just a, a blender regurgitation of all three pieces? And my answer to you is yes, obviously, of course. This score has exactly three modes. It is so repetitive. Mode number one is screaming matches. So we get a lot of that crap I don't like where people are just sing screaming to each other. Don't you understand that you are a piece of shit? I am not a piece of shit. You are a piece of shit. Enough already. Number two mode. Number two is disillusioned wailing. How could they have not told me that following orders would result in my being punished? How could they have not told me? Ah, stop it. Enough already. And mode three is <laughs> the worst of them, maybe? Uh, jaunty piano satire. Think Herod's song. This is satire. Little piano tinkling. U.S. Army. We're betraying you. It sucks. The whole thing sucks. So many repeating instrumental themes. Oh my god, don't listen to this. Do not listen to the album. Do not track down that link. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Two additional JCS comparisons. Comparison number one. A lot of numbers this week. Number one, the army's top brass plot and scheme, just like the Pharisees and priests from Jesus Christ Superstar. There are even a few barrel-chested baritones in the mix. Both sets of villains also use the word cool in pointed fashion, and I choose to view that as more than mere coincidence. Maybe we'll find some good leaders, decisive and brazen and cool. One thing I'll say for him, this Jesus is cool. Comparison number two, Lieutenant Callie's trial is really nothing more than a recreation of Jesus being brought before Pilate. Just swap out, crucify him, crucify him with guilty. Guilty! Admittedly, this was not the most convenient week to address a musical like The Lieutenant, but 
when exactly would it have been convenient? In any case, this is a one-note affair that bored me to tears. Ah, but there I go again, straying into my final thoughts. Let's get a word from our sponsor, 5678 Coffee. Were there already? Were there already? Take it away, 5678. Amelie, oh, it is so nice to see you. Please, sit down, mon frere. It is so nice to be going on a date after so much time being alone. Oh, you might say I'm a bit of a strange spirit, a bit of a, a kooky bird. Oh, speaking of birds, do you see that small red-breasted sparrow on the windowsill? That is my small friend. Oh, hello, wee-wee, cheep-cheep. I am a bright, starry-eyed nymph. I am a rosy-cheeked nymphette, and I only have a light and a love in my heart, unlike my parents. Oh, wee wee. Wee wee, my parents were so hard on me. Did you have tough parents? Oh, I do not, do not speak. Do not speak. I love to watch you as if you are a painting. A painting that moves slightly in your discomfort. Oh, hello, my waiter. Hello, my waiter friend. I have been with this waiter for so long. I have known him for so long is what I should say. <laughs> wee wee, I am Amelie. I shall have the un omelette du fromage, and my friend shall also have the un omelette du fromage. Oh, I'm so nervous. Oh, wee wee. Oh, and we will also have two cups of five, six, seven, eight coffee. I do hope that you enjoy five, six, seven, eight coffee. It is so delicious. Oh, isn't it? Oh, it makes my little French spirit whip and willow about. Oh, I zip and zoom about like a bird. Oh, like my little red-breasted sparrow friend. His name is Cheesework. <laughs> There's a long story behind that name, and I could tell it to you, but it would make me blush. Oh, wee wee. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just getting very flushed because I have not been on a date in so long. My parents, they, they told me I was not special. They told me I was not a wee-wee nymphette. And I, I said to them, I said to them recently, I visited their grave and I said, No, no, mama. No, no, papa. I am a special girl who deserves love. And, and she's from Let's Do Omelette Fromage. And I also deserve a cup of five, six, seven, eight coffee with a beautiful man such as you, mon frere. Oh, you are so beautiful. Come home with me afterwards. You and I and the birds. We shall go home to my flat. I have a flat, and we shall enjoy five, six, seven, eight. Where are you going? No, 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 do not leave. No, oh my god, another, another beautiful soul runs from Amelie. Wee wee, oh, wee wee. Oh, hello, little bird, cheese work. Oh, and the waiter is here, and he is sitting with us too. Oh, my waiter friend. Oh, my bird friend, cheese work. This is my true family. Oh, yes, we, we. Who needs men anyway? Oh, who needs men when you have a waiter friend and a bird friend? Here is a toast to us, my friends. Five, six, seven, eight coffee. We can count on it, and we can count on each other. Unlike that man who ran away. The man who ran away. Oh, wee wee, wee wee. <laughs> I'm feeling happy now. I'm feeling better. <laughs> 
final thoughts regarding the lieutenant. The lieutenant is ludicrous, and it would never be produced today. Gene Curdy, Nitra Sharfman, and Chuck Strand, hello, they felt they could distill the Vietnam War, a war that lasted for nearly two decades and spanned five presidential administrations, down to a cautionary rock and roll fable, one that would appeal to and blow the minds of Broadway audiences in 1975. Newsflash, the lieutenant did not appeal to or blow the minds of Broadway audiences. It ran for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine performances. But back to my point. These people believed they had a red-hot Vietnam War take in 1975. We did it. The work has been done. Our take is boiling and will absolutely stand the test of time. The arrogance is stupefying. Like... No, no, you did not have reasonable perspective. We are still sorting through the countless ways in which that war changed our world, fucked us up. We will never get to a point where cautionary rock and roll fables are suddenly on the table. Come to think of it, let's just assume the Vietnam War will never be successfully exploited on Broadway. Hair is a museum piece, the lieutenant is a headache, and Miss Saigon is too sexist, racist, and obsessed with self-flagellation to say anything coherent. Let's just put the subject to bed. Wah. I don't want to go to bed. I'm the subject. Wah. Shush. Shut up. I'm not done. Let's talk about how insulting the lieutenant is to veterans. The show thinks it's coming to their aid when it's reducing them to brainless pawns. Oh, don't blame the soldiers. They know not of what they do. They are idiots who are without sin. Besides, whatever happened to American exceptionalism? No one would accept German exceptionalism as an argument for excusing Nazis. We don't view Nazis as schoolchildren who were manipulated into making bad choices, and that charitable rhetoric should not be applied to Americans. I can't wait for the Afghanistan war musical in which a corn-fed American kills 40 children and accuses them of wielding an IED that turns out to be a soccer ball before begging for mercy in the face of nominal consequences. Why, God, why do you watch over me from a distance? Why are these people being mean to me? They don't know what it's like over there. We do. They haven't seen what I've seen. We have. They would have done the same thing in my place. We would not have done as much, but thanks for playing Eat shit. In 1975, the winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical was The Wiz, the super soul musical Wonderful Wizard of Oz. And the additional nominees that season were Mac and Mabel and Shenandoah. All of these shows got a shout out earlier in the episode. Just wanted to make sure that you had that information. Now, should the lieutenant have won the Tony Award for Best Musical over The Wiz, the super soul musical Wonderful Wizard of Oz? No, absolutely not. It should not have. No, 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 no. Let's run the lieutenant against all of the other musicals we have talked about here on the podcast. As a reminder, if you follow us on Twitter, at MusicalManPod, you can look up this ranking yourself. Go to our likes. It's the first tweet in our likes section. If you click on that, you will be taken to the Google Sheet, and you will be able to go to the second tab where that ranking is provided. I am putting the lieutenant all the way down at number 77, right above Miss Saigon at number 78. Miss Saigon is at the bottom of our ranking, and the lieutenant will be right below Starlight Express at number 76. So congratulations, musicals. You can all talk amongst yourselves.
<laughs> when it comes to show-related ephemera, I don't have anything that expressly relates to the lieutenant or the Vietnam War. Uh, I didn't think it would be prudent to try and find something fun that related to the Vietnam War. And the ephemera segment tends to be fun. That's not true. Sometimes we have speeches from Lorraine Hansberry and other figures from throughout history. Sometimes it does get a little serious here in the ephemera segment. But for the most part, you know me, I like goofy stuff. And I just didn't feel like getting serious here in the ephemera segment. No, 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 no. So we're going to do something completely different, and now for something completely different. No, no, stop that, stop that, it's too silly. We are going to be hearing a bit of George Benson and Patty Austin's I'll Keep Your Dreams Alive. This is a song recorded for the 1992 animated film Freddy as F-R-O-7. What is Freddy as F-R-O-7, you might be wondering. I do not have time to go into it. It is one of the most confounding and awful animated movies that has ever been made. But this song is cheesy. It is so fun. Let's hear that chorus now. Refreshing, right? Refreshing after all that we've talked about, after all of my ranting and raving. Sometimes you just need to listen to a fun, cheesy song by George Benson and Patty Austin, a song that was recorded for a film about a frog that is also a secret agent, that is also a Middle Ages prince who was cursed by their evil sorceress aunt. I know I said I wouldn't go into it, but I just did. Okay, to determine which show we discuss next, we will need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the random number generator I named after that classic Rogers and Hammerstein show, Stupid Cupid. Everyone ready? Then away we go. We have landed in the year 1987. This is a show that was nominated for the Tony Award for Best Musical. It ran for one, two, three, four performances. Four performances, okay. And that show is Rags. And Rags will actually close out the 1987 season for us because we have already recorded episodes on Les Rob, Me and My Girl, and Starlight Express. This will be the second season that we close out here on the podcast. Oh, that's exciting. Goodness gracious, that means we're going to be hearing from Shrek. Oh, Shrek is going to come back. He's going to tell us which show from the 1987 season he wants to put into his belly. Ooh, I'm looking forward to that. I do enjoy a Shrek appearance. Okay, all right. <laughs> rags, baby. Rags, let go of my rags. Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can support the show financially. As a reminder, 100% of every monthly payout is donated to the Black Lives Matter 
organization. You can donate one, three, five, or ten dollars a month. If you donate one dollar a month, you get Monday early access to all main feed episodes. You get a weekly verbal shout out. Let's do that now. Thank you so much for donating at least one dollar a month. Ross H J G, Jared Eli, David Dave, Christopher Neil, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Marques, Rob, Shauna, Shiante, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. You get bonus episodes regarding the 73rd Annual Tony Awards, the trailer for the film Cats, ABC's The Little Mermaid Live, a review of the film Cats, a review of the stage musical Emma, a review of Take Me to the World, a Sondheim 90th birthday celebration, and a review of Hamilton via Disney+, Plus, and a review of Documentary Now, original cast album, co-op. Coming November 18th, John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch, that will be our brand new bonus episode dropping that day, and also coming out this month, reviews of the Netflix Christmas movie musicals Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, and Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. But I'm not done. One dollar a month donors also get season one, 12 episodes of Radio Boy, and all of the episodes we have recorded so far for M3, the movie musical man, which returns to the Patreon feed December 23rd. Now, if you donate three dollars a month, you get everything I've already described, plus a musical shout-out in the style of a character, actor, or composer of your choosing. Season 1, 10 episodes of Wildcats Everywhere, the high school musical podcast, and a special episode all about season 1 of Julie and the Phantoms. If you donate $5 a month, you get everything I've already described, plus you get to stop the musical carousel and determine what musical I discuss here on the podcast. You also get season 1 and season 2 of All I Ask of You, the advice show hosted by the Phantom of the Opera. Season 2 is coming out on a weekly basis right now. You also get our Broadway in Chicago reviews and Shout About It Volumes 1 and 2. That is a collection of 5, 6, 7, 8 ads and musical shoutouts from the first 50 episodes of the podcast. Finally, if you donate $10 a month, you get everything I've already described, plus Season 1, 12 episodes of The Snub Club, a special series dedicated to Broadway musicals that were never nominated for the Tony Award for Best Musical. They were snubbed! If you're listening to the show via Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to write a five-star review. We need as many five-star reviews as we can get. And if we get to 60 five-star reviews, I will record a special episode that is all about Disney's Zombies franchise. We currently have 34 reviews. We need 60. Okay, all right. If you are listening to the show through Spotify, Stitcher, or Podbean, musicalmanpod.podbean.com, thank you so much for streaming the show. You can follow us on Twitter at musicalmanpod, and you can email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. Thanks as always to Patty and Benny for all of your help. Oh my god, Patty and Benny, I love you. Alex Green, thank you for our beautiful logo, and thank you to Zach Little for our fabulous music. Uh, Oh, well, you know what that sound means. Yes, just when the fun is starting, comes the time for parting. Oh, well, we'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, auf Wiedersehen, and good night.
Once upon a time, when all truly great stories begin. If you've been looking for an enchanting new hero in the world of children's entertainment, look no further. Freddy is here. Freddy the Frog. I'm not a frog. I'm a prince. Funny. It's the story of a handsome prince with magical powers who falls under an evil spell cast upon him by his wicked aunt. I shall rule the world! But grows up to become the most famous secret agent in all the world. With heartwarming narration by James Earl Jones. And so began Freddy's greatest adventure to date. And starring the voice of Academy Award winning actor Ben Kingsley as Freddy. I'm not the little frog I was so long ago. Join Freddy. Good choice. Deffers. Oh, Freddy. Give me frogs any day. Scotty. What are we doing here? Nessie. Charmed, I'm sure. And their loyal friends as they band together to keep the world safe from Messina. <laughs> El Supremo. Surrender! And the forces of evil. MCA Universal Home Video presents a story that will delight children of all ages. Freddy used his magical powers to travel around the world, fighting evil near and far. So, Frederick, we meet again. <laughs> Featuring music from George Benson, Patty Austin, Grace Jones, Asia, and Boy George colorful top quality animation irresistible characters and plenty of good-natured fun oh no you horrible reptile fiend freddy the frog is a film your family will treasure forever the exciting animated adventures of freddy the frog from mca universal home video